Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. three. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Uh, as always, before we get started, if you've not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear your feedback. Uh, coming at you with another episode of Pacers After Dark. Really psyched to be joined by a friend of mine and also the one who uh, who created this fantastic intro we have into the Indie Corners podcast, Ben Roman, uh, who covers the Bucks over at Behind the Bucks. Um, ben, how are you doing tonight, man? Not We're not talking about the game yet. I'm asking how you're doing. I don't want to talk about the game yet. How are you doing? <laughs> Bucks aside, we don't have to talk about the Bucks or the Pacers at all. Just uh, how are you in your personal life, uh, Bucks not included? I'm getting by. Uh, I'm back home in Milwaukee right now. So. No, that's too 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 close to talking about the Bucks. Too, too, too close to the Bucks. You don't live right. in Milwaukee, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, it's man. Always, it's always I'm, fun. Yeah, we haven't played uh, we haven't played Milwaukee in forever. Been wanting to get you on for a while, so I'm glad that we can finally put a voice to the fantastic intro song. Uh, also, helped me out with getting the Karis Levert uh, monikers in. So, no, man. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. All right. We can talk about the game now. Um, I, I feel like I'm mentally prepared enough. As I always say <laughs> in this podcast, I'm not a fan. I, I just cover the team. But um, this is one of those nights where it was just frustrating on a lot of levels. Uh, so, of course, I want to just start off talking about how awesome the Bucks are because this Bucks team is freaking fantastic. Um, I was talking on, you know, Tom and I did a preview yesterday uh, after the Grizzlies game. And immediately I was like, you know, I've probably seen seven or eight box games this year. And I was, my, my immediate thought is 12 and eight does not describe how good the bucks are this year. Um, they have a ton of new guys in the rotation uh, after, you know, putting together a historic season last year and you see the bones of what they're trying to do. And you can already see that they are better in some ways and, and really starting to come along. Uh, I mean, I, let's just start talking there. What, what are you seeing so far that you really like out of Milwaukee that's different this year? Obviously, Drew Holiday, who the Pacers were potentially in line to get, um, did, ended up you know not working out. Uh, considering how much the Bucks gave, I, I think the Pacers were never going to be in line for that. But uh, let's talk Bucks, man. Yeah, um, Drew Holiday has been awesome to watch this season. For some of the struggles the Bucks have had defensively, like he has been the bright spot uh, on both ends of the court, but especially defensively. Just the way he, you can put him on you know, positions one through four, even five sometimes, and he's going to deliver, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Bucks were playing the magic. And for some reason, Aaron Gordon is just lighting them up, you yeah. know, running pick and rolls as the ball handler, just, you know, dicing up the defense. Giannis couldn't stay in front of him off the, off the pick and rolls. Cause you know, he's a bigger guy. He can't get around picks laterally as well. Um, that's not really his strong suit, but as soon as they put Drew Holiday on him, locked him up right away. So he has been insane to watch this year. Um, the Bucks' offense is just leagues better than it's, it's insane, been man. in past seasons. Uh, the defense has struggled uh, quite a bit, but offensively, you know, they've added some new wrinkles. They have uh, players 
you know, filling in the dunker spot now. They used to play more five out the last couple seasons, but they're starting to integrate that. They're starting to do more, you know, cuts. Um, they're starting to work Giannis in the middle of the floor a little bit more instead of having him bring, you know, bring it up the at the top of the key. They kind of have him working from the uh, the high post a little bit more, and uh, he's really done a great job of distributing the basketball this year um, more than he has in, you know, any other season. Uh, he's making much better passes and passes that are actually on target in the shooter's pocket a lot more frequently. And we saw that today, you know, he delivered a quick triple double. Um, and, you know, he really wasn't like he was playing dominantly, but he was, you could see he was really like letting the game come to him. Yeah. So. Yeah. It felt completely unforced. Uh, I mean, he took eight shots and finished with 21 points. Like that's just, I know. I was, game. I was literally was... just looking at the box score. I cannot believe he only attempted eight field. Oh, I can believe it. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was, th- this is where it gets to be a little confusing. Number one. Um, I thought coming into this matchup uh, that they would put miles Turner on, on Giannis for the game, or at least for stretches. Um, I got starting off the, the, the game, you know, having that cross match uh we knew within about four minutes that that was not going to work um that was i mean i mean that that's part of what's been a problem for for the turbonus front court throughout i mean closing out to the corner uh is so difficult for either of those guys um and miles can do it more so than domas can but then if you're having him close out to the corner then why are you paying them both 18 million dollars a year um so I thought, even though, I mean, Giannis is such a hard person for him, for anyone to cover, obviously, but for him to cover, like, uh, it makes sense interior-wise. Even then, I mean, Giannis is incredibly strong. His post game isn't, like, ridiculously good or anything. But, I mean, if he takes him off the dribble, that's almost a guaranteed foul. And that's not a knock on Miles. It's just, I mean, Giannis is just on, on another level. Um, it, was, it was a little frustrating for me because I thought Miles was getting – a lot of shit on Pacers Twitter for it. Um, he just was not put in a good position to succeed whatsoever tonight. Uh, being asked to close out, um, they were bringing him over in double teams on the post, which, you know, Giannis is too good of a passer to double team in the post. And more importantly, the Bucks are way too good at shooting to, to even warrant double teaming the post. Um, so that was something that was really vexing to me too. I mean, I think you just have to be willing to put somebody who's big body on Giannis. And we saw that last year too. I mean, um, teams really started to do that. And while he's still going to go off and play well, um, I mean, like Joel Embiid would play out on him or they, they'd play Marcus Hall on him. And that's more in the last two years. And look, just looking at teams playing bigger guys on Giannis and saying, okay, we're going to have to defend these threes because we can't give these open shots up. Um, as good as Giannis is, I would rather him post up and go to work one-on-one than, than let Bryn Forbes or DJ Augustine shoot an open three. Um, so that was something frustrating tonight. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I mean, we, we talked about Drew Holiday. Malcolm Brogdon, made his, he's, this is obviously a reductive way to look at it, but uh, he lost his all-star bid tonight as far as I'm concerned. Um, not, not, not entirely, but uh, Drew Holiday made him look like a, a role player. Uh, I mean, just totally nullified any screen that, that Demonis Sabonis set. Uh, it didn't matter how well the screen was placed. Uh, I mean, he didn't. He, there was nothing that could be done to get him from going around the pick and totally just blowing up any action that they were doing. Uh, was just ridiculous. And, and Brooke Lopez was really good too. I mean, he's been really good. His shooting has come back this year, which has been. I mean, it's nice for me as an observer to see because it's great for him. Uh, not good for the Pacers tonight because he was again he was somebody who they were trying to double off of. 
and he's shooting too well this year to double off of. Um, it was just all around, man. A rough game for the Pacers, but uh, some of the some of the coaching decisions were a little confusing too. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks are such a tough matchup for the Pacers when the Pacers are running a two center lineup effectively. You know, you, like you said, you have Brooke Lopez who can knock down threes from you know three four feet behind the arc if he has to, and you know asking one of Turner and Sabonis to close out on that guy when they also have to be helping off you know, on Giannis, who's, you know, driving to the rim like a madman in the first, like, couple quarters there. Um, it's really, it's a really tough ask. And even, like, even Turner himself, there are a couple plays there where Giannis just kind of, you know, got him moving laterally a little bit and then backpedaling, and then he's just able to, you know, rise up and lay it in over the top at, at the rim, even through contact at some points. So it's just, you know, it, it's really tough. Um it's it's tough for me to see, you know, long term the two center lineup for the Pacers, you know, being an effective strategy. Um, you know, I understand like you have to sell high on one of them, you know, when they're playing well, and I think both are playing at an elite level this season. You know, Sabonis offensively and Turner defensively. Um, but you know, at a certain point, I don't know when that time's going to be, but. You know, I, I just don't see it being the best way to, you know, make each guy the best that they can be. Yeah. Yeah, man, I totally agree with that um, yeah, to an extent. I wouldn't say, like, you know, I, I think we're going to see – I would be very surprised if one of them gets traded this year is the way I'd put it. I mean, anything can happen. Uh, Kevin Pritchard in the front office are pretty tight-lipped, but I just think after – how the Karis Levert trade went and, and the kind of state that that's put the team in, not that it's in a bad state, but just considering they're a team built on consistency. They don't normally make um, that many moves concurrently in a season. Um, I feel like they're going to at least let them play out through the postseason and wait until uh, they have the team fully together. Uh, Cause right now it's looking like both TJ and Karis could be back by the end of the year. Um, so, well, well, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point to look at too. I mean, you could say, well, the Pacers didn't have their full team tonight, but then I, I would also point out it's not that it doesn't matter, but you're still having the same problems defensively. I mean, Karras and, and TJ are both defensive upgrades. Just having their size would have been huge. Um, but, I mean, Chris Middleton wasn't even that much of a factor tonight offensively, and I thought he was guarded decently well. Uh, it's just a lot of the, the clunkiness of having that cross match makes it so difficult to defend. Um but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that that maybe they'll be willing to throw in some wrinkles. But the biggest issue that I had was just some of the unwillingness to, to really shift things and, and, and change how they play. I tweeted this out tonight. Like, um, I don't know how much of the Pacers you've seen before this game, but they've been playing a really aggressive brand of defense. And, and you see that a little bit tonight. I mean, just trying to trap ball handlers a ton, using Domas to do that sort of like uh, like Denver does with Jokic. Um, and it works at times, but. Also, they just they, they way overdo it sometimes like uh, they, they'll completely I don't want to say overthink things, but in some ways they, they just kind of overdo things and uh, try and do a little bit of uh, work harder instead of smarter. Um, and there are opportunities where they could really just be more conservative like they like last year and the entire McMillan era. They were extremely conservative and it worked. I mean, they had a top three defense twice and, you know, you could obviously hone in on in the playoffs that didn't work as well. There's got to be a happy medium because right now the medium is like so far gone. Um, but yeah, I'd like, what other thoughts did you kind of have on the Pacers tonight um, outside of that? Yeah. I, I don't want to keep hammering them too much. 
Um, no, I was just going to say um, that kind of reminds me of the way the Bucks defense is transformed by yeah. Budenholzer. You know, in the kid era, they were doing aggressive trapping schemes nonstop. And, you know, the first year it worked and kind of threw off, uh, took the league by surprise a little bit. They had a top three defense. And then, you know, the following couple of years under kid, they were, you know, bottom five in defense, you know, playing that same aggressive trapping switching scheme and like you said they, they're working you know harder not smarter um and then you go to the other end of the spectrum with Budenholzer the last couple of years where it's like a very conservative drop coverage and you're gonna take the shots you're gonna give teams certain shots and just you know hopefully give them you know poor quality shots to bad shooters, but, you know, it doesn't always work out like that. They've given up a lot of open corner threes, a lot of open threes, you know, at the top of the break, which, you know, I understand are harder threes to make, but still with good shooters, doesn't really matter. Um, and that's why the Bucks have struggled against certain teams. Like, you know, you see the Miami Heat last year in the playoffs um, shredded their defense. Um, yeah. But another thought I had, you know, real quick before we move on to anything else, you're talking about Brogdon losing his all-star bid. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get that down on him. No. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, that was, Drew, that was a caricature. I was totally I, I, kidding. I know, I know. Yeah. But Drew Holiday, just for perspective, he held Damian Lillard to 17 points two He's nights ago. Man. So, you know, if he can make Lillard look bad, you know, I wouldn't feel too bad about how Brogdon uh, played yeah. tonight. <laughs> oh, trust me, man. I'm going to have some people who are angry with me for saying that. I was kidding, uh, as you know, but yeah, it's uh it's just that's how it felt in watching it. Like it, it just felt like watching uh like somebody get like all their it's, it's like the monsters, man, getting all your power sapped by just like out of nowhere. That's Drew Holiday on defense. And you can do it to just about anybody for stretches. I mean, it's it's insane. It makes such a difference having a guard who is like six five as opposed to like guard who is like six one. Uh like see the difference between Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday this year. It's like yeah. It's insane. Like you not only get more switchability, which, you know, can be really helpful, uh, you know, come playoffs, but also he can just like, like I said before, you know, he, he can shut down guys one through four pretty easily. Whereas Bledsoe, you know, he, he played really good defense. And he made all defensive team uh, first team, but, you know, he's limited a little bit more to the types of guys he can guard that you know, you're limited somewhat defensively in the type of coverages you can throw at teams. So the Bucks defense has been kind of middle of the road this year up to this point. Um, they've let teams shoot extremely well from three so far, and that's been their biggest mm -hmm. weakness. Um, so, you know, hopefully they tinker with a little bit more. Maybe they throw in a little bit more switching here and there and, you know, the, um, you know, the guard positions, maybe the forward positions, and then let Brooks stay in the drop coverage that he's comfortable with. Um, and hopefully they figure that out. But, you know, the offense has been the thing that's carried them so far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you see that too. I didn't even realize uh, Bryn Forbes took 15 shots tonight, um, which was the second. No, that was the most on the box. That was the second most. He played um, a lot of garbage time. but Yeah, he yeah. did play a lot of garbage time, but still, I mean, he was uh, instrumental in some of the shots he took. Um, that was one of the jokes that I had earlier this year 
I was like Bryn Forbes, uh, who notably hated by a lot of Spurs fans, which, you know, I went to Michigan State, so I don't hate Bryn Forbes. Good dude. Um, but he, he, I mean, he should not have started last year. But I was like, imagine that. Somebody who was a, a pop favorite that started in a year maybe he shouldn't have started goes to a Mike Budenholzer-led team and plays a ton of crunch time minutes. Who would have thought? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, your, my, your favorite landlord is uh, is not playing as much, so that's been good. Um, I've never been a Pat Connaughton guy, uh, especially after the finding out about the landlord stuff. Um, Bobby Portis, man. I've really liked Bobby Portis this year. I know the defense dramatically falls off when he's in the game. Um, part of that's just, I mean, he's not a good vertical threat. He's not an awesome room protector. But in terms of just offensively, uh, he's a massive upgrade over what Ursan was giving last year. Um, well, for that matter, any of the Bucks bench last year, <laughs> yeah. like they couldn't find you know a kick when they needed it. And that was a huge problem. Uh, you know, obviously George Hill's a great player, but, you know, and he can get his own shot, but he didn't take over consistently enough for the those second units last year. There wasn't a guy you could just kind of give the ball to, let him work. Um, Portis has been that this season. He's been, you know, a willing passer. He's, you know, been stroking it from three. Um, he can back down in the post. He can, you know, kind of work the high post and pass it a little bit. Um He's been instrumental for their second units and, you know, he's brought a lot of energy off the bench and, you know, you're right. He's not the best defender, um, but in the second unit, that doesn't matter as much. And I do think that, you know, the scheme itself kind of works to his disadvantage a little bit. Like, like you said, he's not a great vertical threat. He's not, you know, the best shot blocker. Uh, I think he'd be better served in kind of like a switching uh, style um, but you know, the Bucks play their drop coverage and he's the de facto center out there, even if, you know, that's probably not his best position. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's a major upgrade over, you know, what you had, like you said, rolling out there last year between Ursan and Marvin Williams, you know, two guys who, you know, Marvin Williams could move a little bit more than Ursan, but both were pretty, you know, immobile yeah. by most NBA forward power forward standards even uh so it's definitely been a huge upgrade Connaughton's actually uh shot the ball really well from three uh this year it did not show today he's like bricking shots off the backboard and just you he shot one for five uh one for four from three but he's been uh I think shooting let me double check the numbers 45 percent no 43 percent from three yeah, the season 43.3 yeah so he's actually been playing a lot better than i thought he would and expected him to this year and you know mm-hmm. i kind of hate having pat Connaughton a lot but i have to give it's him easy some to credit. <laughs> it, it is easy to uh he's a big target but <laughs> yeah. um yeah no going back to the pacers too uh it's tough. I mean, it, what's what's kind of remarkable to me too. Demonis Bonus set his uh, his career high tonight, which that's he was uh, awesome. He was so it, it's interesting to me. I thought uh, he yeah he, he tied his career high uh, last night against Memphis. Probably had a better game then than he did tonight. Um, so much of tonight, it felt like the Bucks game plan was just make Sabonis shoot everything, and mm-hmm. um, it was effective. I mean, they were letting him go isolation a lot, and he, he played. I mean, fourteen to twenty five. 33, 12, and six uh, with only two turnovers. You can't 
complain about that. But um, I think I'm looking at this team. There was something I want to say Adam Morris talked about uh, last year. And to people listening, I'm sure you know who Adam is. But um, Adam is like one of a one of the best basketball minds I know. But also he he hosts uh, Locked On Nuggets and uh, is a big part of DNVR over there as well. Uh, very similarly with Nikola Jokic, when uh, it's been different this year, and his, uh, I mean, he's pretty much clear cut MVP for me, other than maybe Joel Embiid. Um, but he the could. Nuggets have been a better team when Jokic is assisting more and scoring less. And it's really felt similarly this year with Domas, uh, especially tonight, just looking at like a lot of the shots that he was taking were later in the shot clock because the, all the actions were getting stuck. Um, I mean, the, the Bucks were just doing such a good job in denial on, I mean, get, Doug McDermott was struggling to get open for anything. Uh, he finished six to 12, but most of that was from finishing at the rim one of five from three, like every single pin down screen that got set for him got blown up. It felt like, um, and that's where he makes his living. John Schumann tweeted out something really funny. It was like a, it just showed a guy coming off a pin down. He's like, I'm pretty sure this is 97% of Doug McDermott's shot profile. It's not entirely wrong. Um, it was just uh, – that was rough. Looking at the whole bench, too, um, I mean, Jeremy Lamb started tonight, but he really struggled offensively. But also, I mean, a lot of it was – Domas and, and Brogdon combined for, I think, like 60% of all shot attempts tonight. It was right around there. Yeah, they took uh, 40, 42 combined out of 95. Okay, so that's not – my I can't math well. But, you know, it's <laughs> like 40, 40% of the team's shots coming from two players is never uh, a great equation – when looking at that, um, Aaron Holiday really struggled too. Um, it's just shot wise, the, the ball movement was terrible. And part of it, I mean, is the length for Milwaukee, but a lot too. They just, uh, they were not, the ball was just getting stuck a lot, did not move well at all. Um, credit to Domas for having an awesome game. I mean, he took and made uh, three out of his five three pointers tonight, uh, which he's been, he's shot like I think just about 36% from three this season. Um, but it's the super inconsistent. So he'll have a game like tonight, go three for five. Next night, he'll go 0 for four. Um, just a very inconsistent shot for him right now. But he, I mean, he was taking it tonight and was going down. Um, yeah, I knew you were shooting well from behind the arc this year. I was a little confused why they had Brooke Lopez dropping so deep in the paint uh, covering him. I think he took and hit one of those where Brooke was like sinking behind the free throw line on him. Um, so I was a little surprised they were doing that, but I guess, you know, they're really trying to limit his passing lanes and just, like you said, making him shoot it as much as possible. Um, there was like a play, I think it was maybe the second or third offensive possession, uh, by the Pacers where, uh, Sabonis had a really nice feed off a cut. I think it was Justin Holiday, maybe who beat Chris Middleton and kind of had like a reverse layup. Um, it was one of the Pacers' first points of the game, uh, and I thought, you know, well, looks like uh, Sabonis is going to have another game dicing up our defense. But, mm -hmm. you know, Brooke Lopez did a really nice job for the rest of the game, kind of making sure that, you know, um, Sabonis was having to take those tougher shots around the rim and not being able to, um, you know, get other guys involved as much, and that's credit to the Bucks like length and defenders, you know, shadowing those cutters as well. Yeah, it was really tough too because or, – or not tough, but it was just interesting because Domas has been really good at just driving to the rim. Uh, I mean, he used to take a ton of mid-range shots last year and the year before. Um, anytime that any action got stuck in a handoff, he would just resort to that. He'll take an 18-footer or a 20-footer. He was good at them. He was fine at them. 
Um, but this year he's really cut those out and, and driven to the rim. And you could tell uh, just from the get-go, he was not comfortable doing that on Brooke Lopez, which is fair. I mean, Brooke Lopez had a, a legitimate case to be defensive player of the year last year, and it went to Giannis deservedly. Um, but I mean, you just look at, at what he's able to do. I thought I was really hopeful that he would start going to it because you have to, I mean, I think it's, it just, even if you're not getting the, the shot to go in, trying to collapse the defense is important and, and they just couldn't collapse the defense at all tonight. Um, the only other thing that I would even mention about the Pacers tonight, um, I think I was just, I still remain a little bit flustered and frustrated with how they're running the bench. I know that they, uh, they're obviously down quite a few guys right now. Um, but running an eight man rotation still just is not it. Um, and I, I think that shows tonight. Edmund Sumner is a good player. Uh, you could argue he's been a better player than Aaron holiday this year. And I, I probably wouldn't, uh, complain about that. You're probably right. Um, Aaron has really struggled, but more importantly, there's room for both those guys to be playing and there doesn't have to be an eight man rotation everyone listening, you know, you've heard this 17,000 times by now, but um, I will keep hammering it because it's getting annoying to me. I mean, Gogo Bataze did not play until the game was over pretty much. And he finished the game, but more importantly, I mean, with how big the bucks play perfect opportunity to play your, your first round pick of six foot 11. Um, I don't care that he's not ready right now. Like part of the problem to me and something that I think I might just stay up and write about tonight instead of getting extra sleep. Um, like the Pacers are playing like they want to be a championship contender this year. And they're not that team. Like you can't be playing an eight man rotation in the middle of the regular season. Um, you know, I, as much as sometimes, like, I, I think that Bud's gotten a lot better with it, but you look at what they're doing last year and the year before and playing like 10 or 11 guys, I think that there's an avenue to do that for the Pacers or more importantly, they should be doing it in some ways, maybe not every night. You know, I think there's a, like we talked about earlier, there's a balance, but like, I mean, you, you have to find ways to get guys on the end of the bench opportunity, if only for the fact that you're saving energy for the guys who played the entire first quarter and the entire third quarter inexplicably. Like, um, I don't know. It's been really frustrating to me. It's been happening all year. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, but Domas and uh, and Malcolm are both in the top 10 in minutes this year. Uh, I believe Domas is still number one, right above uh, two guys who play for Tom Thibodeau. So take from that what you will. Um, it's that kind of year, man. It, this team is still good. I, it, Obviously, I've sounded really negative this podcast, but I mean, the Pacers are 12 and 10. Um, I think that's about right for right now. Um, they're, uh, they're again, they're down a couple guys, but there's there's a lot that could be going differently uh, that would make them at least a lot better um, during the games. Um, but on to the next one, right? <laughs> um, Definitely. Um, yeah. W- one thing I would just say, um, you know, you were talking about uh Sabonis and you know not really going to that mid-range shot uh as much this year but I think that's actually a really great counter for what the Bucks do defensively yeah. like you can definitely make the Bucks defense pay if you can hit those like mid-range shots Brooke Lopez you know for as good as he is as a rim protector like he can get shredded when there's a big that can really shoot the ball so I think like next time the Bucks and Pacers play it'll be really interesting to see if Sabonis goes to that because you know when the Bucks play the Magic, guys like Vucevic. Oh, Vucevic you know, was just, in that playoff series last year was just incredible, man. He's insane, and you know he can hit that you know eighteen foot jumper like consistently. And Brook Lopez can't do anything about it. And you know we even saw earlier this year when the Bucks played the Magic, like Vucevic always has a career night whenever he plays the Bucks, just yep. by the you know nature of 
how they play defense. And Sabonis is a better version of Vucevic in a lot of ways. He might not be quite the shooter that he is, but he can make, you know, you can he can make defenses at least respect, you know, his jumper and carve him up in a lot of other ways, you know, whether that be passing the ball or otherwise. So I'd be really interested in seeing that. And then also one more thing, you're talking about the minutes mm-hmm. distribution. Um, I think there is a happy medium that you need to hit because, you know, like you said, Bud, you know, favored those 10, 11 man rotations throughout the rest, throughout the regular season. And that's great for rest for your guys. But then when you get in the playoffs, these guys aren't used to playing big minutes and, you know, we saw that, you know, Giannis is looking gassed. He's playing like 38 minutes, 39 minutes. And meanwhile, Kyle Lowry's gritting out like a 47 minutes, you know, double overtime game against the Celtics and he's fine, you know? Yeah. So I think there's definitely a happy medium where you get these guys conditioned enough through the regular season, but also leave enough room for, you know, they're not completely burned out when it matters most in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I would agree with that. And uh, we're looking for that to happen some way, some shape, some form. Like they were eight up, man rotation is eight man rotation were, is just not sustainable for a regular season. Though. They were up. I completely like, agree with you there. I, I think they were up 20, it was 22 yesterday uh, in the fourth quarter and they put Domas back in. So you could tie his career high with four minutes left. I was like, Bro, come on. Like, I, I don't care that you want him to get his career high. I, I, I can't say that that's for sure why they put him back in. But regardless, like, you do not need starters in when you're up 22 um, in, in the fourth quarter. But uh, nevertheless, uh, on to the next one. I think it's uh, New Orleans on Friday, so I'll have someone else on for that as well. But, um, Ben, before we get out of here, what are, you, what are you working on? What's exciting in your life? Where can people find you at? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm actually right after this, I'm going to go record my own podcast, uh, the Backseat GM podcast with my co-host Zach. Um, we drop those about once a week, uh, talk about some funny stuff happening in the NBA. Um, so that'll be fun. You can find us on Twitter at Backseat GM Pod, and then we're also available on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and then uh, Simplecast. Um, other than that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Ben Roman. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Mark. Yeah, man, fun. always. We'll uh, we'll definitely link up again next time when the when the Bucks and Pacers play. Uh, hopefully, it's a little bit closer. <laughs> um, if anything, maybe I'll call up the Bulls and see if our tourist doesn't mind sending Thad Young back on loan for the season or something. I don't know. <laughs> Thad was like the one guy who the Pacers have had that could ever give Giannis problems, but uh, or as much problems as you can give Giannis. But he plays know. him well defensively whenever he matches yeah. up against him. That's for sure. Definitely. Well, the Bulls. It's not even a matter for the Bulls this year. They're uh, they're uh, they're working they're they're working progress but uh, regardless ben this is a lot of fun man i appreciate you coming on to everyone listening of course go follow ben and everything he does uh he's great um and most importantly just have a good rest of your day and go pacers remember it's, it's one game out of 72 so uh don't get too uh too worked up about it it's just a game have a good day